What sort of summer will it be? A long, hot summer is the prognosis. I think weather might be a good subject for the discussion with our three distinguished panelists, Bayard Rustin, whose creative imagination, perhaps more than that of any single individual, was responsible for the memorable march on Washington last, that unforgettable August day, is one of our guests, W.H. Ferry, Vice President of the Fund for the Republic, and Ralph Helstein, President of the Packing House Workers of America. They here as members of the ad hoc committee for the Triple Revolution. We've had discussion concerning this a few days ago, but I'm sure there will be an overlapping of subjects, the cybernetics revolution, the weaponry revolution, and the human rights revolution. Suppose we, I know they're all interlocked even with human rights itself. Mr. Rustin, uh, the prediction is a long, hot summer. The question is how much heat, how much light, how eventful. Murray Kempton recently in the New Republic was implying that it will be sat out on the stoops and porches, and he implied further that it looks like the civil rights movement may be coming to a grinding halt. What's your feeling about that particular implication? Well, I don't think the civil rights movement's coming to a grinding halt. I think that uh, the uh, problem has become infinitely more complicated as the revolution moved north and became concerned with housing, jobs, and schools and thereby requires uh, an examination and an addressing of one's uh, strategy and tactics to the basic contradictions in our society. This creates a new situation and uh, requires uh, uh, a new look at how we're going to tackle the problem. It requires more allies. Negroes do not have the political and economic power to make major breakthroughs outside public uh, accommodations, and uh, we're uh, therefore in a crisis. Uh, another aspect of the problem is that uh, uh, this is uh, felt within the Negro community with certain confusions, uh, the development of a secondary leadership which no longer has faith that uh, uh, things can uh, necessarily be done uh, without uh, a great deal of uh, dislocation that may or may not be sensible on the theory, give them hell. Uh, now, as far as the summer... Secondary leadership you're talking about, more the younger people. You're younger becoming people, a little yes. impatient with the... Yes. And uh, whether it's going to be a long, hot summer, I don't know. Uh, the term is uh, interpreted by various people to mean various things. The term was originally used as just two words, hot summer. And the person who said that meant that there would be a, a series of demonstrations. Then it became long, hot summer, which is interpreted as meaning there will be a great deal of violence. Uh, I doubt there will be a great deal of violence. I think that the choice is not really between whether there's going to be violence or uh, a great deal of uh, marching in the streets, but whether people get tired of marching in the streets and simply go home and sit on their porches, as Murray said. You spoke of the, uh, Mr. Rustin spoke of the contradictions in our society. I imagine speaking of the advances, I assume, Mr. Ferry, Mr. Helstein, we'll keep this free and even, Mr. Rustin. I, I assume he was referring to the in, uh, automation, to the, uh, we're on the horizon of great abundance, it seems, at the same time, greater unemployment. Well, Ralph, I mean, your, your union, membership of your union are pretty much privy to this, aren't they? The packing house workers and what's happened. This is the kind of contact which we could do without their 
We've had a lot of experience with the problem of jobs and their losses as a result of new methods uh, of production, as a result of new marketing, as a result of basic and vast changes in the uh, structure of the industry. This course has meant for, made for a good deal of job dislocation. Not so sure, however, that this points up Bayard's point of uh, the contradictions that we're dealing with. Uh, I think uh, they're more clearly stated by the problem that uh, we face by having all kinds of double standards and the hypocrisy that exists in our society in terms of our way of dealing with the problems that as a total community we face today. Cybernation or the impact of automation and change is only one of the manifestations or symbols of some of these basic contradictions. First point in time when man can produce an abundance and our problem is what do you do with it? As a matter of fact, I, I was intrigued by a comment by a member of the Federal Reserve Board of Philadelphia in a recent piece which uh, was published by Dun and Bradstreet who makes the point that uh, the most serious threat to our free enterprise system that's ever come along has been abundance. Abundance. Well, this is a threat. This is a crazy paradox, isn't it, Ping Ferry? The, the interlocking aspects here of the human rights revolution, cybernetics and weaponry. How well, they, I believe that they produce the they have brought to the surface these contradictions that Baird spoke about. The contradictions have been there for a very long while, but they are now more or less out in the open where people look at them, uh, have to look at them whether they care to do so or not. Uh, one of the major contradictions was uh, brought to uh, light not very long ago by a member of this uh, group, Mike Harrington, who disclosed for the United States to see the existence of this contained oppression which we've had going in this country as long as the country's existed. The contained depression represented by this community of poverty of which he wrote so eloquently. Uh, as to the long hot summer, I, uh, I have never known quite what that means. I'm not competent to make any judgment about it in the way Baird has just made the judgment. I happily accept his. What I think is a more appropriate question is whether we are not, in fact, going to have a long, hot generation. I think that that is what is before us. I think that what is at stake is uh, the life and the vitality of the American experiment, because what uh, because the contradictions are uh, that Baird spoken about are contradictions in the in all of our uh, assumptions about ourselves, about the way we behave toward one another, with respect to one another. Uh, <clears throat> this contradiction has existed right from the beginning of uh, the American experiment. Uh, as I say, it's only, the, it's only been brought to light in pretty lurid detail in the last two or three years. One has been the, uh, it's been, uh, I think it's the contradictions are fairly well summarized in the phrase uh, the triple revolution. They, each one represents a major contradiction. The uh, cyber nation producing all of this uh, uh, plenty, 
At the same time, we are advancing, uh, we're, we're operating uh, as if we live in a uh, society where there isn't enough to go around. Uh, weaponry, uh, the second aspect of this triple revolution on which this group has commented before, uh, producing uh, weapons that can under no circumstances be used, as everyone agrees. Uh, this is a contradiction of the most enormous uh, order that we are spending uh, so much of our energy and treasure in, uh, in continuing this, uh, uh, this senseless contradiction. And finally, the uh, so-called human rights uh, revolution in which uh, men have to contend and negotiate with one another over rights which are supposed to be the natural rights of all Americans. Uh, uh, these, uh, these are some of the contradictions I believe that Bayard had in uh, mind, and none is going to be resolved in a lo long, hot summer. None is going to be uh, resolved uh, very shortly. Uh, it is my hope, but not my belief, that they will be resolved in a, uh, in a long, hot generation. I feel very pessimistic as to the outlook. There are several comments made here that interest me very much, Baird Rustin. Uh, Pink Ferry was just saying uh, a while back, things are coming to a head. And we hear this phrase, that's now a popular phrase, the white backlash. As though a moment, things are coming to a head. They've been buried so long. And as though, you know, the bullfighters term, moment of truth we're facing, in addition to the fact that we lived, we've been living a sort of fictitious sort of life, haven't we? Not facing the reality of cybernation and the human rights, the civil rights revolution and the weaponry that, uh, as though there were no nuclear bomb. Isn't this the, one of the contradictions you were talking about earlier? Yes, I think all this is involved, and I think it uh, can be spelled out uh, uh, more concretely in our daily lives. We've uh, known for a long time that our school system is not adequate. But until the Negro people began to ask for integrated schools, which they interpreted to mean quality integrated schools, uh, we would not face the fact that uh, the school system is inadequate. Now, what automation has done is uh, force us to face that. We uh, have had all kinds of planning on the part of industry and business in this country, but it has always been considered vulgar or communist or socialistic and destructive of the American system to uh, talk about planning for the welfare of men. Planning was only good when it was planning for profits. Now, the very fact that great numbers of young people are dropping out of schools because they have no, see no future, and uh, because we are now facing the uh, uh, fact that we do not know what to train young people for, even in the schools, We've come to see that we are now going to have to have some democratic economic planning, or we're going to go further into a hole. So that uh, in everywhere one looks, uh, there, there are contradictions. And uh, a good deal of this has to do, basically, with the attitude. One of the important aspects of the rent strike in New York, and which is spread to other places, has been that it's got it another contradiction. I think historically the rent strike will not uh, be so important as for the number of Negroes it gets better housing conditions for in slums. Uh, 
but that the Negro people are now making law, forcing law to be established, which says property rights can no longer be above human rights. And I think that will be the ultimate uh, uh, result. So that there, I think, the Negro people are attempting to deal with this contradiction. This point that uh, Bayard Rustin has just made rather interesting, Mike Harrington was saying that it's because of the Negro revolution, this movement, that we've become aware of poverty generally, white and black, because of this very breakthrough or this opening of the avenue. That's not just the a Negro asserting his rights as he is indeed, but that they're the whites too who are the poor white who is indeed being. Well, another way of saying it is that uh, uh, the United States has, uh, uh, owes a great deal to the Negro. The democratic process today owes a great deal to the Negro because, in effect, the, uh, 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 the so-called movement, the civil rights movement, has taken this country a long way back toward political community. It has politicized the community again in a way it has not been politicized in a long way, uh, in a long, long time. Uh, uh, this is the essence of the democratic promise, that people will work together through political means to resolve common, uh, 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 common problems, to, to achieve common objectives. I don't need to tell you that politics has been thought about as, uh, as uh, either a, a disgraceful or sort of dirty undertaking up to, uh, uh, up to this, uh, perhaps this moment. I think politics is taking on a, a slightly different character now. A lot more people are involved in it. I'm not just talking about the uh, people who are directly involved in the so-called movement, white and uh, black. That isn't the point. It's the number of people now who see that if this, uh, uh, if this situation is ever to be resolved, it has got to be resolved on some, it must be resolved by recourse to some political uh, uh, method or, or other. The uh, civil rights bill that uh, is now being contended over in the, uh, in the uh, Senate and uh, very soon by a, a joint committee, I should think, uh, this is the first time for, what is it, almost a hundred years that uh, this has become a, really a political issue uh, uh, at the federal government level. The Congress has finally been forced to take up something that it felt it could safely uh, uh, disregard up to this point. And this would never have taken place uh, uh, this <coughs> without the movement. This, for this, the United States has a great deal to be grateful. Isn't this interesting? Now, one aspect of our life, politics, the attitude toward it is changing because of what has happened. We hitherto thought of it as something uh, esoteric, few people engage in, right? It's also something some, somewhat venal in nature. Here it becomes something quite different, which many people take part, and the opposite of venal. Isn't this, is, are there other aspects of our life that will alter our values? All our values, I assume, will change, will they not, in one way or another, because of the, of the dynamic of the situation? Well, I suppose it's perfectly clear that, that when a state gets to the point that its fundamental law has to be implemented in order to enforce rights which the, law, which the fundamental law itself provides. For example, when the, when the Negro seeks rights, all he's asking for is constitutional rights. What the Civil Rights Bill is does is to provide mechanisms by which you implement that. And what we're saying as a nation, 
when this bill is finally enacted, as I assume it will, is that first we recognize that it's not just enough to say something, but that no right is meaningful unless it's enforceable. And to this extent, we, we bring politics in, but perhaps just as importantly, and this goes back to Bayard's point about the rent strikes, we acknowledge in dealing, for example, with public accommodations that private property which seeks support from the general public must operate within the concept of the public's total interest and not just that interest of any single group. And so we politically implement uh, political decisions made several hundred years ago through the enactment of legislation that seeks to enforce rights previously established. Now this, I suppose, does make man more of a political creature than he has been in the United States for a long, long time. With the summer coming up, I mean, uh, time, as, as the lawyers would say, time is of the essence, isn't it? It's time. The question is how, this, since this involves an almost radical change of attitude on the part of the great mass of Americans, certainly white Americans, how, what are, the, what are the suggestions, the means of reaching with this, with this truth? So, studs, however, time is of the essence after a hundred years, yeah. you know, uh, it's a strange commentary yes, and is. contradiction Another on contradiction. time, yeah. Well, I think the most important uh, thing for us to see is that in a society, motion uh, gets motion. And therefore, the important thing, first of all, is for the Negro struggle to stay in the streets to continue its motion. Now, given that a number of the uh, things we need cannot necessarily be achieved in the street, so long as the Negro is capable of creating some social dislocation, uh, in a sense, he will cause others to move. Secondly, I think that uh, while I'm not talking about a third party, there has to be some sort of a political movement now. now I think we saw the first steps, a direction, but on a very limited scale. Uh, it's now common knowledge that uh, for the first time in many, many years, the uh, uh, filibuster was broken. Now, this is a most significant fact because the reason it was broken is that uh, there were a sufficient number of people, labor people, church people, Negroes, intellectual students, and others, around this simple uh, business who were able to, to, to isolate these Southerners uh, for the first time. This is significant. Now, sooner or later, we're going to have to get a broad political expression uh, in order that uh, we can move this further. Now, this summer, the uh, Negro movement is attempting to unseat the uh, Democrats from Mississippi at the Democratic National Convention and move in an interracial group which will be known as the Freedom Party, Freedom Democrats. Now, obviously, there will be very few white people. The important thing is it's open to all people in Mississippi, 
and there will be a fight. I think that this is a next step in creating a kind of realignment of things here so that we ultimately end up with people standing on ground that's recognizable instead of remaining in a single political party which has two tendencies. I think that we have to proceed politically and we have to proceed by direct action. I think it's also important to note about the Civil Rights Bill that there is no one in his right mind believes that, uh, you know, the people north or south are going to say, all right, now there's a civil rights bill which says you have the right to eat, to go to hotels wherever you want, public accommodations are completely open. What we know from experience is that we are going to have now long, long period in which people go and sit down in these places, get arrested, go to court, and the process now begins, that there's going to have to be an implementation. I think these things have to continue. See the continuation of uh, Ping Ferry. Why, you said you were, uh, you were pessimistic earlier. I'm listening to uh, Bayard Rustin now speak of the movement continuing, the need for it. Uh, whence the pessimism? Well, I, I be, be, because I don't believe we have the political wit or the imagination to keep up with events. That's all. I believe events are moving far too fast, uh, mostly on the, under the impetus of uh, technology. Uh, <clears throat> I think it has only been recently recognized uh, how very closely linked the uh, whole uh, social situation of the Negroes uh, is to advancing technology. The, uh, it is merely highlighted uh, the fact that they have been at the low end of the employment pole throughout uh, history. Uh, it is the contention of this ad hoc committee, which you mentioned as, uh, in introducing this session, uh, that uh, for most Negroes, as events are now going, there will never again be jobs. This is uh, lamentable, uh, 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 is uh, lamentable certainly for the middle-aged Negroes who are losing uh, jobs in these highly automated industries where they've, uh, in urban America, most of them have found employment. But it's uh, far more than lamentable for their children uh, who uh, see almost no opportunity, whatever for them, in the places where they live and have expected to uh, grow up. What this all amounts to, of course, is uh, the reason for my pessimism is because I think the status quo has been shaken right to its roots by these developments, and that the status quo is going to act just as status and just as quo as it's always uh, acted, and, uh, for, and I think there is going to be a great blow up because I don't believe we have the political flexibility uh, to, uh, to accommodate ourselves to these uh, tremendous changes. Uh, now, if you say what form will it take, that is beyond my imagination. Uh, what seems to me to be quite clear, however, is that uh, we are taking very tiny steps where immense steps are required. Americans have customarily learned uh, not by thought, uh, but uh, in a far more pragmatic way. To state it very bluntly, Americans have learned their best lessons by catastrophe. 
And I am afraid that this is the way we will learn the, uh, the lesson about our ignoring, our deliberate ignoring of the Negro situation in the United States over hundreds of years, uh, just as I believe it's the way we will learn uh, about uh, the folly of relying on these nuclear uh, uh, weapons as the, uh, as the ultimate ratio, the, the uh, final determinant of international relations. We cannot rely on nuclear weapons any more than we can, it seems to me, on the social tradition that we have built up, uh, and which I believe, I agree perfectly with uh, Rustin, that the, uh, uh, that the effect of the, of the civil rights bill uh, in the country will uh, be not to do a single thing about jobs, it will merely, uh, it does not present the keys to a better life to uh, 16 or 20 million uh, uh, Negroes. It merely presents them with the keys to the courtroom where they can go in and start to litigate as Negroes and their supporters have been uh, uh, litigating since 1954 after the Brown decision, their right to an equal uh, education, integrated education throughout the 50 states. How can, this, how can this fantasy life be broken into, this fantasy which most of us are living, that this will go on indefinitely? How can, uh, suppose, Studs, one of the initial steps in any such effort is to a recognition of the, what the facts are and what the problems are. And I think uh, Ferry's point in expressing his pessimism is that he questions uh, whether America has the capacity to uh, <clears throat> react quickly enough and with uh, sufficient breath uh, to deal with it. For example, you currently have uh, a declaration of a war on poverty. America has suddenly become conscious of poverty. It's been with us ever since the beginning of this nation, but all of a sudden, Mike Harrington wrote a book, but it took a couple of years after that book was published, or perhaps a year and a half, when Dwight MacDonald wrote a piece for the New Yorker magazine, which circulates among uh, a, a broader uh, group, I guess, than by books, uh, before people woke up to the fact that the book had been written and that, that poverty was something one ought to do something about. And the president declares war on poverty. And I've been intrigued a great deal by the fact that this is the first war. And I've now lived through two hot ones, uh, one cold one, and a police action. This is the first war that I know of that's been declared with a commitment to a balanced budget in advance. <laughs> I don't think anyone who, uh, in their right mind, can begin to believe that the expenditure of $900 million is going to deal with the problem of poverty or even scratch the surface of poverty. It seems to me that there, that there has to be a massive expansion in America's whole understanding of the, the nature of the problem, its breadth, its dimensions, and what's involved in the problem. I don't think it's a lack of our uh, either of uh, our wealth, our natural resources, our efficiency, our ability to produce as a nation, it really boils down to the question of whether we're going to be so tied down with some of our old concepts that we're not able to break out of them. For example, I, I think that one of the crucial questions that we deal with constantly, at least I have occasion to, is what is the function of our economic system? 
so many people seem to operate on the theory that the economic system has, uh, has a life of its own, has a function of its own, and that this is what's uh, important. Essentially, I would argue that the system functions for the purpose of making a better life for the people who live in that particular society. But to raise this question in many circles in America threatens the system. Well, uh, this, it seems to me, is sheer nonsense.